if you want to have great ideas, you got to work your idea muscle. And so many people, they said, oh, where do you get your ideas? It's like, well, I'm working my idea muscle every single day. So I realized for us that if we wanted to really innovate and do things differently to get people excited about coming to games, we had to have new ideas. We had to be refreshed. We had to continue to do new things. You know, my fear is I don't want to become the Globetrotters and do the same skits every single day. Here comes the confetti. Here comes the slow motion. Here comes this. And so I was like, all right, we need to come up with new ideas. So yeah, I started in, in 2018 and, you know, it was, it was struggle. You know, I would say, all right, what are new promotion ideas? What are new merchandise ideas? And then it wasn't until probably 2020 that I started making buckets, very specific buckets. Like today's idea session was uh, what, what could players do in between pitches in the batter's box? So literally in between pitches in the batter's box. We've always had hitting entrances, scoring celebrations, double celebrations, strikeout moves. So that's the I session we do. So every day it's something very unique, themed out, you know, senior citizen promotions. What are mom and, mom and daughter promotions, daddy daughter promotions? And that helps me get re really narrow and deep. And now we've built it with our team. So... Uh, you know, 15, 20,000 ideas later that I, I can I can come up with ideas pretty quickly. They're not all great. A lot of them are really bad, but uh, quantity leads to quality. Hey, this is a quick shout out from one of our awesome sponsors. Check this out. Thank you to Tracy down at Tranquil Turn Massage in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Look, my wife and I, we see Tracy and her team every single month for a couple's massage, and it is the best thing. Tracy is a master massage specialist and a Hanu Ashiatsu trainer. You need to reach out to Tracy and her team. Make sure that you tell them that I sent you, and you'll get 25 bucks off your next massage. Also, while you're there, check out CDA Brows, Body, and Ink. Make sure to tell Tracy that I sent you, and you'll save 100 bucks on your next tattoo brows and plasma tightening services. <laughs> Jesse, you're the owner of the Savannah Bananas. You're an author, keynote speaker. You're the former Bat Boy of the Boston Red Sox and so much more, man. Thank you for your time. Well, excited to be here. And glad you brought up the, the Bat Boy, which was for one game. I didn't do the job that well as a five-year-old, but I'll, <laughs> something I'll never forget. Come on, man. That's such a cool experience there. I like to kick things off by going back a bit. Like, where did you grow up and what was childhood like for you? Yeah, I mean, I was a uh, an only child. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was a kid, uh, young. I, I grew up in situate Massachusetts, a little small town, less than 7,000 people. And yeah, my life was dedicated to to baseball. My dad actually ended up buying an indoor baseball facility, becoming a part owner there. And I just played ball all the time. That's what I loved doing. And uh, that was the one bond me and my dad had. We'd play every day after after school. And yeah, that's where I really developed the love of the game. Come on, man. That's so cool, dude. I, I grew up a big fan of Nolan Ryan. Still to this day, it's the only yeah. baseball cards I have left. Who was that player that you looked up to? Or did you have a favorite player as a kid? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was obviously Red Sox centric. Uh, you know, I was a Mo Vaughn fan, you know, with all the home runs. And then a little later, Pedro Martinez as he joined. But yeah, it was always, always Red Sox guys. I got to go $5 bleacher tickets with my dad and, and got to see a lot of games. Come on, man. So cool, dude. I know you're a big fan of P.T. Barnum and Walt Disney and Bill Veck. What is it about those three people that really grabbed your attention? Well, you know, none of that really came. I mean, obviously, I, I was aware of Walt Disney as a kid. I was fortunate to go to Disney World a few times and experience some of the magic. But the the Walt and P.T. and Bill Veck really didn't come a big part of my life until I started joining a team at 23 years old as a general manager professionally. So I was a GM at 23 of a team that there was only $268 in the bank account and only a couple hundred fans coming to the games. And when I took that job, I couldn't pay myself for three and a half months. And so what I did was I started reading just about PT Barnum, Walt Disney and Bill Vex, some of the greatest innovators, people with vision, promotion skills, showmanship, and tried to learn on what could I do to get people to come out to the ballpark and what would PT Barnum do? What would Walt Disney do? What would Bill Vex do? And so, yeah, I, I read every book literally and learned so much and tried new attention getting things like, you know, we did 
grandma beauty pageants and dig to China nights and pregnant nights and flatulence fun nights and salute to underwear nights. And a lot of them didn't work, but that's what PT Barnum would have done. At least that's what I thought at 23 years old. And then Walt Disney just tried to think differently with vision and Phil Vec be all about the fans and try to combine that and start testing the experiment. And that's really where it started for me. It's so fun to to be part of a, a baseball team. I worked for a minor league single A team for two years in their their ticket office, and to see the struggles that players and the GMs go through, and then the wins come, man, and it's so cool to just see the the fans interacting. I love what you got going on, man. Well, thank you. And, and yeah, there's a lot to learn in minor league baseball because, uh, you know, you're not the highest level of baseball. You got to compete to get people to come out to the ballpark every single night. What are you going to do to get them out? And yeah, I mean, I learned so much from watching what minor league teams did well, what minor league teams didn't do well, and try to figure out how do we play a different game than everyone else? Because everyone's playing, here come the fireworks, here comes this promotion, here comes, you know, ladies night, 80s night, you name it, they tried it. And I was like, we got to figure out something different. And that's really where the Savannah Bananas came along and going all in on developing our own IP and our own unique experience. So there was no comparison between other minor league teams. Yeah, man. Uh, Now I watched uh, the Banana Land uh, show on TV and you had mentioned or your wife had mentioned that you're the dreamer and she's kind of like the refiner, the realistic one. This is very similar to my situation where my wife is that for me and I'm kind of that dreamer. She has to pull me down on the kite sometimes, you know, but running a business and a family can be super difficult. Like how do you separate business time and family time or does it all tend to mesh together? (laughs) You know, I think, uh, yeah, work family balance. I think it all does come together. I mean, again, it's what me and Emily uh, attracted each other. Uh, You know, we, we had this big dreams and visions and we saw what, what could happen to minor league baseball, but what we could do differently. And, you know, we met in minor league baseball. I mean, she, I was working with a team in Gastonia and she was working for Ripken uh, baseball. They had a few teams and that's what connected us. So that's how we, you know, got together. And then when it was just me and her running a team together, you know, there were challenges because we would run into each other's world so many. And once we really got really focused on what we do best, you know, I'm very focused on the promotion, the show, the ideas, the entertainment, the marketing. She's very focused on the people, how do we make sure we hire the right people, take care of the right people, all of that. And when we separated, it became unbelievable how well we could work together because she's the best at what she does. I try to be the best at what I do. And now we really just compliment each other as opposed to jump at each other's world. So we work, yeah. find that balance. And, you know, I think that's what everything, find what gives you energy, find what you can be the best at. Don't try to do everything. We always, at the beginning, try to do everything. And that's where I got burnt out. I got really tired and struggled. And now I have more energy than I've ever had. And, you know, theoretically people on the outside say you're working harder. It's like, no, I'm just doing what I love and what gives me energy. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, so good, dude. Uh, and I love that you talked about, like you have this idea book that you started back in 2015. Tell me about this thing, man. Well, I, I think, you know, I, I started running about eight years ago and, you know, I was 225 pound baseball player, big guy. And I just, I, I needed something to keep my body going. So I started running and, you know, it was really tough for me in the beginning, you know, just getting back on. Cause you know, baseball player is not known for long distance running. So I started getting in. And then once I started doing every day, I'd do two, two miles, three miles, four miles. I just started working my you know, muscles to become a good runner. And I became, you know, now I can run six, seven, eight miles, no big deal, at a very fast pace because I've been doing it for so long. I have the muscles and the capability to do it. And so I look at that and the same thing as working out uh, with ideas. If you want to have great ideas, you got to work your idea muscle. And so many people, they said, oh, where do you get your ideas? It's like, well, I'm working my idea muscle every single day. So I realized for us that if we wanted to really innovate and do things differently to get people excited about coming to games, we had to have new ideas. We had to be refreshed. We had to continue to do new things. You know, my fear is I don't want to become the Globetrotters and do the same skits every single day. Here comes the confetti. Here comes the slow motion. Here comes this. And so I was like, all right, we need to come up with new ideas. So yeah, I started in in 2018 and, 
you know, it was, it was struggle. You know, I would say, all right, what are new promotion ideas? What are new merchandise ideas? And then it wasn't until probably 2020 that I started making buckets, very specific buckets. Like today's idea session was uh, what, what could players do in between pitches in the batter's box? So literally in between pitches in the batter's box, we've always had hitting entrances, scoring celebrations, double celebrations, strikeout moves. So that's the I session we do. So every day it's something very unique themed out you know, senior citizen promotions, what are mom and mom and daughter promotions, daddy daughter promotions. And that helps me get re really narrow and deep. And now we've built it with our team. So, uh, you know, 15, 20,000 ideas later that I, I can, I can come up with ideas pretty quickly. They're not all great. A lot of them are really bad, but uh, quantity leads to quality. Yes. Oh, so good, man. Uh, it, it, for those who don't know, maybe they're living under a rock, but what is the Savannah Bananas? What's the mission that you guys have? Well, when we first came to Savannah, our mission was just to keep baseball going. You know, in Savannah, yeah. Georgia, the team started in 1926. There were teams and they failed and failed. Minor league teams left and right, just gone. Lowest in the country in attendance, failing, failing, failing. And so when me and Emily went there on a trip and we watched the minor league team, the New York Mets affiliate, have less than 200 fans in the stadium on a beautiful night, we're like, where is everybody? So they left. They wanted a $40 million stadium. The, stadium, the city said no. We convinced them to let us come. And we showed up and the former team cut the phone lines, cut the internet lines. They took everything out of the ballpark. There was nothing left. So we got a picnic table brought into an abandoned storage building. Myself, my wife, Emily, our 24-year-old team president, and three 22-year-olds straight out of college. And so our goal was just, hey, could we keep baseball going? You know, could we sell out a few games, create some excitement? And then after immediate failure, selling only two tickets in our first three months, and Emily and I having to sell our house, empty out our savings account, and sleeping on an airbed and grocery shopping with just $30 a week, uh, we knew we had to go much bigger. And so we went all in on the experience, and our goal was very simple. We named the company Fans First Entertainment. We're going to be the most fans first, uh, best entertainment company that we could be for our fans. And so we went all in on that to make baseball fun. And lo and behold, they came on that first night, saw things they never saw before, and players delivering roses to little girls during the crowd and dancing on the dugouts and the banana baby and the banana pep fan and our break dancing coach and fans said, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. And lo and behold, since that point and the struggle, they've told everyone and we've sold out every game. And now we're doing the banana ball world tour coast to coast. And the wait list this past week for tickets just passed over 650,000 all over the world, which is wow. just crazy. To, to, but most importantly, Emily and I are sleeping on a real bed. So we really come full circle. Yeah. At one point, you guys were like $1.8 million in debt. What goes through your mind when you're looking at your bank account going, oh my gosh. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Thanks for bringing up the misery again. No, that was... Uh, that was a challenging time. Yeah, $1.8 million in debt. And literally, it was $30 a week. We'd go to Walmart, and that's all we had for 42 meals. And wow. you know, I, I think everyone says, how did you do that? It, there were no other options. Yeah. We had bought yeah. this team. We had a staff. We had a lease. We had, we had to find a way. And I think, you know, that's one of the blessings in disguise. I mean, people, they get sometimes they try to get investors and get an influx of money. Well, no, we, we found a way to do it. You know, I think yeah. there's so much to be said about literally grinding and getting strategic and I mean, we were living by that mo motto of outthink, don't outspend because we didn't have any money. So we just had to you know, be more creative. And we still to this day, I mean, we don't have a video board at our stadium. We don't have suites. We literally don't have sponsors at our ballpark. Uh, you know, we we do everything in a very unique way. And that's helped build our brand and who we are and what we stand for. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, you talked about this fans first entertainment always. Why is that so important? Well, I think the starting point for all innovation, the starting point of doing anything that's truly unique, you have to look at the friction points in any customer experience. So many people, they focus on their competitors. They don't focus necessarily put themselves in the customer's shoes. And so I was trying to think about myself, put myself in the fan's shoes and going to a sporting event, especially a baseball game. 
you know, you get your ticket fees, your service fees, your convenience fees, which are the most inconvenient fee ever. Then you pay your taxes and a $40 ticket is 58.25. Then you come in, you got hit with parking, then you get nickel and dime, burgers, hot dogs, and then the game is slow, long, and often boring. So I was like, how do we make it the exact opposite? And so the, the fan's first model was, all right, put yourself in the shoes. If the fan were to make that decision, would the fan want that? So we said, what would a fan want? And I said, well, why does a fan have to pull money out of their pocket? Couldn't it be an all-inclusive experience? You know, all your burgers, hot dogs, chicken sandwiches, soda, water, popcorn, dessert, everything. And when we started, $15. No ticket fees, no convenience fees, no service fees, and everything. And, you know, could we just make it nonstop fun? Promotions, entertainment, music playing the whole game, not stopping, not those delays. And that's been the, the ethos of everything. So what we always ask, is it fans first? I mean, it's crazy that we're the only sports team in the world that pays fans taxes. So think about that. It's not only on tickets, but any, if you buy, you know, when we play on the road, we can't do all inclusive because the stadium does the food and bev, but, but for us in Savannah, or if you buy merchandise, a $25 shirt is 25 bucks. If at, in Savannah, you buy a beer that's $6, the beer is $6. It's not 685 and that's millions of dollars. But to us, it's fans first. I want the transparency when you're buying something online, which we have free shipping, all that you buy a $30 hat, it's $30. And so it's just part of that model. And we believe in creating long-term fans over short-term profits. And we will always throw away short-term profits to create long-term fans. Best way to run a business, man. I, I mean, your website not is not killer. At not at first though, Eric, I'll tell you, not at first. It's very yeah, totally. hard. <laughs> very hard. But yes, eventually it, it comes through. Absolutely. I mean, your website is killer. I got my hat super fast and I love the transparency on there. Free shipping, like you mentioned. Oh man. It, it, now I want to kind of go back to your world tour. Cause you guys did this massive tour here in 2023. What's it look like for the rest of this year and heading into 2024? Well, again, remember where everything starts and everything we believe in small bets and experimenting. So yeah. just, just two years ago, we did a one city world tour. Yeah. So literally a one city world tour and we went to Mobile, Alabama and that proved the concept of banana ball, our new game, which again, fighting friction, two hour time limit, no stepping out of the box, no bunting, batters can steal first, that if fans catch a foul ball, it's an out. That was tested on the one city world tour. Went to seven cities last year. Those all sold out. And then, so this year we said, all right, let's push it. Let's go coast to coast. So we did 33 cities and yeah, I mean, we just got back from Vegas, 20,000 fans, two nights in Tampa, 20,000 fans, Arizona, 25,000 fans. And uh, everywhere we go, you know, fans start lining up around 9 a.m. Um, you get, you know, by 2, 3 o'clock, 3, 4, 5,000 people, 3, 4 hours before the games. Um, and no one leaves. They stay till the end of the last pitch, no matter what. Even in um, Tampa, there was uh, tornado warnings, thunderstorms for two hours. We didn't start the game till about an hour and a half after first uh, original first pitch. And Nick Swisher's there and Andrew Miller. We're playing the Major League alumni. And they look around. They said, in all my years in the bigs, I've never seen it like this. They literally stood through thunderstorms, but they wow. wouldn't leave. And every seat was full by, you know, 830 when we started the game. And so, yeah, it's been, uh, we've been learning a lot. We're going to do much bigger stadiums next year. We're hearing from major league stadiums and uh, international tours. And we're really going to try to exp expand and bring the joy to more people. It's not about money. It's about bringing the joy to more people. And with 650,000 people that can't get tickets right now, we know we got some work to do. Yeah, man, I love the mission. My family and I, we definitely want to get out to a game in the 2024 season and see you guys live. That would be huge. I, I want to talk about your your new book. It just came out. Uh, Nana Ball, unbelievable story about the Savannah Bananas. This is your third book, I believe. And I just started it. And it so far, it's awesome. Uh, but I'm excited to get through the rest of it. But how did this book come together? What can readers expect as they go through this thing? Uh, the book was about another small bet. And thank you. I appreciate the kind words. The book is on our small bet. So I believe so many people in, in, in business, they, they, their marketing philosophy is to tell, 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 tell everybody what you do. 
my philosophy is to show people what we do in, instead of tell. And so what I realized last year on the, on the first big tour, seven cities and, you know, with Eric Burns as our coach and a lot of craziness, I, I said, I want this captured in more ways than one. So I reached out to Don Yeager, 11 time, New York time, bestselling author. And I said, Don, I got an idea. I want this captured. I go, I just, I want this story to be shown, told in a way that's unique and different. So we reached out and, and a publisher said, yeah, we have to tell this. And they said, we want it different than unique the other books. My other books really went on very business oriented. Find Your Yellow Touch was how to stand out. Fans First was basically how do we create fans, why I believe in that. And I was very uncomfortable with it because they wanted me to go into my childhood and how it all started, theater, and more of that storytelling, which I'm uncomfortable with because I don't know if it really matters at this point. I think it's more about, I wanted to tell more of the story about the people, but they they, they, they pushed forward and you know I, I'm, I'm proud of it, you know, obviously. We don't look at sales, but they, they, I was told that it was in the top 50 in the world uh, on, on Amazon, and it's still continuing to do well. So people are hopefully are resonating with it. But the goal is to tell the behind-the-scenes story, to really show more of what went into this, what we're trying to create. But the reality is we know we're in the first chapter still. We're still in the first inning, even though it's a, it's a book because we're just getting yeah. started. Man, I'll tell you, I started writing my book uh, earlier this year or late last year and about 28,000 words in and it's tough just on the first draft. I'm like, I know I'm going to have to rewrite this thing seven or eight times before it finally goes, but just having your third book out and I'm so excited, like I said, to, to get in this book and congratulations on the success, man. That's huge. Thank you very much. What are you most proud of when it comes to the bananas? Our, our people, you know, I, I look around and you know, we, it always comes back to the, the people and, you know, there's moments that I have when I'm walking with the team and we come through. So every night and we're big into the first impressions and last impressions every night, I learned this from Disney instead of just, Hey, letting people in the gates, we do a big celebration. And I, we march with the players, the band, the male cheerleading team, the man is the break dancing coaches, our players and coach. And we march through the crowd to get up on stage and perform before we open the gates. And I remember in Arizona when there was 8,000 people three hours before the game and, and just this past week at Vegas, 5,000 people. And you hear the players as they're yelling and you could hear their voices cracking because they're emotional to see thousands of people cheering for them, filming on their phone and to see that these guys who a lot of them, their baseball careers were over. They weren't playing anymore to see this new dream come about and you know our dancing umpire who we just saw a video clip that he was just doing regular umpiring in texas to now wherever he goes people come up to him and want pictures and and autographs and to see the the dreams of all these people that didn't even know they were dreams to see them all coming true you know it started with just as me as this dream to kind of create this banana ball and now to see hundreds of people on our staff and our team and to see their dreams coming true you know stilts dakota stilts el britain a guy who just played high school baseball, wasn't going to make the team, came up to me and said at tryouts, I got my stilts. Do you want me to wear them? I said, kind of. I'd rather want to see, can you hit in them? And he, he got it. He's like, I've never done that before. I go, great time to try. And he yeah. got in the batting cage and started hitting balls. And he made the team because of that. And now he's batting over 300 this year. And he's getting outs on the mound. He's now pitching. And every night after the game, there's hundreds of people lined up to meet stilts. This wow. kid from a small town in Georgia that didn't have any anything else. He was really he was pouring concrete, and to see his dream, and it's just that that's what matters the most to me. I really love seeing that. Yeah, man. What are you most excited about right now? What's coming up next for for you and the Savannah Bananas? Well, I, I think for us, I'm obsessed with trying to create the greatest show possible in sports. So, 
you know, there's, there's zooming out and seeing the whole chessboard, as I say, versus yeah. the next move. But I'm obsessed with the next move. You know, after this call, we're going to go into an OTT meeting with, my, with our team and our creative team. And we'll talk over what are those over-the-top ideas, what are those crazy pitches, crazy celebrations, crazy hitting things in between pitches that we can do this upcoming week in Oklahoma City. And then we'll talk about what are we going to do in Nashville. And so every week we do, every game, we do 10 to 15 things we've never done before in front of a live crowd. So at the end of this tour, we're going to do over a thousand brand new things I've never had in a live crowd. That excites me. That excites yeah. me and the joy that we get to do that. But then zooming out, yeah, I mean, you know, top executives from the Japanese professional league have visited us. They want us to do a Japanese tour. You know, we've had been reached out to all different countries all over the world. Heard from 15 major league teams that want us to play at their stadiums with 40,000 people. I mean, all that really excites me. And then, you know, building new teams, building new brands and creating something that I believe could be one of the greatest games in the world. Because Banana Ball, yes, it's a show and it's a fun, but it is a great game. It's exciting. I'm watching my five-year-old son. He literally mimics all the players. He acts like he goes, Dad, that's a point. Dad, I got, I got the point. He's talking Banana Ball terms, not runs like baseball. He's talking Banana Ball. I believe the game's going to take off, and I'm really excited for that as well. Yeah, man, I'm so excited for what you guys go, got going on. How did the, the Banana Ball rules and the game come together? Well, we looked at every same thing with anything and how we come up with anything. We look at yeah. what are the what are the the friction points in the game? What are the most boring, slowest parts of the game? So like give me an example, like walks. Can you imagine in a sporting event there's a play called a walk? Like right. it's called a walk. And I was like, Well, what's the opposite of a walk? And you know, we said, uh, a sprint. We said, Okay, all right, what would that look like? All right, ball four, the hitter takes off full speed. What if the catcher had to throw the ball to every player before it was live? And it could be a double, it could be a triple, he could be thrown out at second, and that's how we developed the walk. Said, all right, what's a bad part of a game? Oh, blowout. A team scores seven runs in the first day and the game's over. Well, what if we made every inning count for one point, like match play? So no matter what, it's a close game. That's pretty good. All right, batter stepping out of the box. Oh, so boring. What if we eliminated that? Mound visits. Oh, they're just a drag on the game. What if we eliminated that? And so we just started looking at all those boring parts. Oh, foul balls. You know, those are fun. But what if it actually counted as an out and a fan caught it as an out? That would be amazing. And so now we just that. And so it was a series of iterations and just looking at the game as a fan and saying, if you had a blank canvas and you could eliminate all the boring parts and make the boring parts more fun. What would you do? And that's kind of how we created it. So good. Dude. So good. Uh, just a few more questions for you. What is the greatest lesson that you've learned through this entrepreneurial journey and, and building this team together and kind of running the family at the same time? Like what's that the biggest journey you've learned or biggest lesson you've learned, I guess. <laughs> you know, it, it, that's, that's a tough question for me because it's, There's a lot like right now in the middle of the tour and, you know, we just traveled with 130 people to Vegas and it's becoming very big. I think the most important thing that I'm stressing, not necessarily the lesson is to understand where we came from and where we started and what built this company into what it is. And that is fans first. The lesson, the, the thing that scares me is that as we continue to hire new full-time people every single week and, you know, we just bought a 20,000 square foot office, we're buying more land and just keep, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger that we lose who we are and the fact that we came through and no one wanted to buy a ticket. No one believed in us. And we fought because we had to make ourselves believe first and then get everyone else to believe. And I think that's why every single weekend, when we go to a city, we open by sharing fans first stories, moments that happened that players did or staff did for one fan, one little girl, one little boy, and that made a difference. And because fans first is going to keep our culture, who we are, uh, keep us growing. And that's, that's the lesson is that in, in midst growth, 
You got to bring it back to your why and, and the purpose behind your business. And it can't have anything to do with money. It can't have anything to do with growth. It has to do with human to human relationships. And that's the lesson that I want to keep kind of bringing forth to our team every single day. What are the fans first moments we're creating today? And if we keep doing that, I think amidst all the growth, we're going to stay grounded and keep making an impact. Mm, come on, man. So amazing. I love to finish the show with a fun question. I'm a big music guy. So what's your favorite band for you? Or do you have a favorite type of music you like to listen to? Oh, yeah. I'm uh well, uh, I, I grew up, so my dad was in a band. He traveled actually the country as part of a band. He was, you know, he opened for bands, he opened for like Poco and like it was a big, his name was that band was Zachariah. And so he got me into music, you know, as a young, young, like really good listening to music, like the Eagles and Fleetwood Mac and Boston. He got me listening to mu- musicianship, like real music. So yeah. when I was uh, in middle school, I heard Dave Matthews band for the first time and I was like, oh, all right. You got some saxophone, you got the violin, boy, the drummer's unbelievable. I got into the music and I got really into them. And I was a junior in college and all of a sudden we're getting ready to go to the Citadel. And there's a memo up in our walk room and says, Dave Matthews band is shooting their American baby video at Citadel this week. And the Wofford baseball players have a chance to be in it. I was like, you kidding me? I get to be in a Dave Matthews music video. <laughs> so all of a sudden we're getting to play there and I'm in the front of the bus. I never sat in the front of the bus. I was like, if they're filming when we get out, I'm going to be in this and got out. And they had us film the national anthem. I got right where the cameras were and they had me do close-ups of my face literally in a Dave Matthews band music video, American Baby. <laughs> and it was amazing. It debuted on VH1, MTV. I was front on there, Dave Matthews music video. And then the next day I heard from the NCA that I was deemed ineligible for the rest of the season because I was quote unquote endorsing Dave Matthews band. So Dave Matthews had to take me out of the music video. But what was so cool is I got a letter from the band. They thanked me. They sent me DVD copies of the original. And uh, <laughs> since that point, I'm still a big Dave Matthews fan. But that's a story not many people know. But now even our pep band, they cover Ants Marching. And the saxophone in the pep band goes against the trumpet. And they start going back and forth. And you'll see me with the fans of the game. I'm just like jamming with them. I'm just jamming <laughs> with the band. And so I'm, I'm a jam band. Anything that brings the great musicianship, uh, that's what I love. I love it, man. Uh, dude, Jesse, you're an absolute world changer. Thank you so much for your time today, man, and sharing your story. I'm so excited for what you and the Savannah Bananas are doing. You are absolute change of the world, change of the game, man. Thank you for your time. Well, thanks for your enthusiasm and energy, man. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for checking out the show today. I really appreciate it. I hope that my guest was able to bring you some amazing wisdom and knowledge to help you continue to fight for your goals, your dreams, and your purpose. If you could do me one big favor and just hit that subscribe button, I would so appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Keep changing the world. I believe in you. Have an amazing day.